Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46. That's our, that's our passage today. Matthew 26, 36 to 46. So this week we're going to continue our journey through the sounds of the passion. And we pick up in Matthew 26. Now Jesus and the disciples, they've just finished the Passover meal in which Jesus instituted what we now know as communion. And Jesus and the disciples, they, they sing a hymn afterwards, and then they, they make their way out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus tells the disciples that this night they will abandon him. And Peter takes issue with that, as do the rest of the disciples. And then that's where we, we pick up our story in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46. We read the word of the Lord. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you'd speak through your word today, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. I pray this in your name. Amen. The Victoria Cross is Canada's highest military honor, similar to the Medal of Honor in the United States. These medals are awarded for personal acts of valor above and beyond the call of duty. Of the thousands awarded to date, more citations have been bestowed for falling on grenades to save comrades than any other single act. The first Victoria Cross of World War II was awarded to Company Sergeant Major John Robert Osborne. The Sergeant Major and his men were cut off from the battalion and under heavy attack. When the enemy came close enough, the Canadian soldiers were subjected to a concentrated barrage of grenades. Several times, Osborne protected his men by picking up live grenades and throwing them back. But... Eventually, one fell in just the wrong position to pick it up in time. With only a split second to decide, Osborne shouted a warning and threw himself on top of the grenade. It exploded, 
killing him instantly. The rest of his company survived that battle because of Osborne's selfless, other-centeredness. Falling on a grenade. It's also used colloquially in non-military contexts to indicate individual acceptance of a personally harmful or sacrificial task in an effort to protect a larger group. During a scandal, corporate leaders or politicians who attempt to draw negative attention away from their company or, or party by pleading guilty, publicly admitting culpability or fault, and, and drawing condemnation on themselves at the cost of their freedom and perhaps their career, are often said to have fallen on a grenade. Falling on a grenade. Taking the punishment so that others are spared. Sacrificing yourself so that others can live. Falling on a grenade. That is what Jesus is contemplating in our text today. The cup that Jesus is referring to is the cup of wrath. The wrath of God. For our purposes of the illustration today, a grenade. Looking back at the text, Jesus and his disciples have been... They've been spending a nice night together, right? They, they celebrated the Passover, and, and then they went for a walk. And then they ended up in, in a garden, and I mean, it's getting late. They've had a busy night. They, they start falling asleep. But to Jesus, this, this is a different night all together. He knows his time is drawing near. He takes the disciples that he is closest to. He takes Peter and the sons of Zebedee, James and John. And he tells them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. He's telling them, I'm not in a good place. Please spend time with me here. Don't leave me. Things are weighing heavy on me. So heavy, I can barely stand it. I don't want to be alone. Stay with me. Stay with me. We rarely see Jesus this emotional. This is the guy that walks through crowds who who want to kill him, who sleeps during storms at sea, who resists the temptations of the devil, who walks on water. There are a few times when Jesus gets emotional in scriptures, but... This is, this is more than emotional. Jesus is rattled. Sorrowful, even to death. John Osborne had a split second to make his decision as to whether he was going to throw himself onto the grenade to save his brothers in arms. Sometimes split second choices are, are easier than ones we have to contemplate. That's not to take anything away from Osborne. What he did was incredibly heroic and absolutely deserving of the medal he received. But that doesn't take away from the fact that split-second decisions can be easier to make than ones we have time to think about, to contemplate. When I was at high school in, in Minnesota, in Fergus Falls, one of the things that the kids would do during you know, free time, whatever, on a Saturday, if it was warm enough, is we would find a bridge and, and then you jump off the bridge into the river. Now, you're not really supposed to do that. If the cop catches you doing that, it's a bad deal. You get a ticket and whatnot. But it's kind of fun, right? 
Unless you're standing on the bridge and you're looking down into that water and it's like, this is high. And what would they be yelling from, from down below or from the side, right? Don't think, man. Just do it. Don't think. Just go. Just jump. I wasn't very good at that. So I'd just sit there and I'd just be thinking about it. Like, oh, man, it's going to be really cold. That's a long drop. What if I'm like, I'm going to be the one that lands on the big rock? You know, like that's, that's going to be me. Even though this is exactly where the other guys jump. Like I, I should be safe, but it's, it's not going to go well. So I'm sitting there contemplating, thinking, working through all of the terrible things that are going to happen to me if I make this decision. Other guys have done it. You know, they're all down there. Just jump, Stenberg. Don't think about it. Just go. Jesus had more than a split second to contemplate jumping on the grenade that was the cross. He's had not only his lifetime here on earth, the 33 years, he's had his existence to know that this time was coming. Ever have an experience like that? I mean, I think that pretty much sums up my time in school. Knowing that papers and tests were coming and and recognizing them from a distance. Oh, that's not due until April. Eh, it's still February or March, early March. I got time. You know, I don't got to deal with that right now. Being so busy with, with life and with school, with family. I can, I can deal with that when it gets here. I can deal with that then. And then when it's sitting right before you, the day before the test, you know... The week that the papers do, it's like a wall of reality just hits. When you're on vacation and you're visiting family, or family's visiting you, you spend that time with friends, and everything's great, and you want to be lost in the moment, lost in the time with them, and then the time comes to go home. It's like, ugh. Not looking forward to, to saying goodbye. The time comes, the wall of reality hits. Jesus knew full well what the ramifications of drinking from this cup were. The burden of all of the sin, of all of mankind, for all of time. Think about that. The weight of that, bearing the burden of, this, of, of sin for the entire world. For all of the sins committed by every person that ever lived. There are times when the the guilt and the shame that I bear, that I feel for the sins that I commit is overwhelming. It's debilitating. I can't imagine carrying that, bearing that for every sin I've ever committed. And every sin that you've ever committed. And every sin that our neighbor has committed. And our enemy has committed. And on and on. For everyone. All at the same time. But the burden of that sin isn't even the hardest part for Jesus. It's what comes with the sin. As Jesus is contemplating this cup of wrath, this grenade... He knows that it means separation from the Father. Because of our sin, Jesus would be separated from the Father. 
Now we look at that and we go, oh, it's just for a few days. Like, is it really, is it really that big a deal? I mean, even though it was just a matter of days, even though it was just a short time, this is huge. This is a really big deal. Jesus is one with the Father. And because of us, for our sake, he is separated from the Father. Our sin causes that distance, that separation. And this, I mean, understandably, this wrecks Jesus. He is distressed. This rocks Jesus to the core. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And Jesus prays three times, Lord, if possible, take this cup from me. If it's possible, if there is another way, please don't let this happen. If it's possible, take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. There sits Jesus, alone in the garden, his disciples asleep, facing the cup of wrath, looking at the grenade and weeping. The physician Luke, in, his, in chapter 22, verse 44 of his gospel, he puts it this way. And being in agony, he, Jesus, prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus is sweating blood at the prospect of what he is facing And through his tears, through his sweat, through his stress, he says, not my will, but yours be done. Why? Why did it have to be like this? Why did Jesus have to be put in this horrible situation? What had he done to deserve this? What had he done? Nothing. Jesus had done nothing to deserve this. It was not his sin that he was preparing to atone for. It was not his wrongs that he was preparing to set right. It was mine. It's yours. All this weeping and loneliness and stress and anguish because of me, because of us, because of what we have done. We are the cause for the tears running down the face of the Son of God. That the cup was there to drink is on me. It's my works that set the cup of wrath before Jesus. And it is the love that Jesus showed for the Father and for me and for you that brought that cup to his lips. Not my will, but yours be done. Because of his great love, he was willing to drink from that cup. Because he loved his father so much. Because he loved me and you and the rest of humanity so much. He was willing to bring that cup to his mouth and drink from the cup of wrath. 
That God's wrath might be poured out on him instead of us. On him instead of us. One of the things that rocks me about this is that Jesus knows I am totally unworthy of his sacrifice. Totally and completely unworthy. I think of John Osborne and his men back in World War II. Thinking again of how sometimes it's easier to make decisions in an instant, to just react than it is to think through the entire situation. I wonder if if John had known the deep, dark secrets of the men he was with, the men that he ultimately saved, would he have made the same choice? If he had known that Daryl was going to go home from the war and abuse his wife and kids, if he had known that Stuart would succumb to his gambling addiction and end up under the thumb of the mafia to pay off his debts, If he had known that Alex would use his career in the military as a platform to run for public office and would then abuse his position to build his own personal fortune off the backs of his constituents. Now all of that is, it's fictional. I couldn't find a record of the names of the men Osborne saved. And I don't know what they did with their lives afterwards, but I do know this. They were men. And they were sinful. And there was sin in their lives. Possibly and probably pretty horrific sin for some of them. So while the accounts may be fictional, the point still remains. Would John Osborne still have jumped on that grenade? If he had known what the men he was saving would do with the lives he had sacrificed himself to save. We'll never know. But as you contemplate that question, put yourself in John's shoes. Would you sacrifice yourself for men who would go on to do those things? Would go on to abuse and be abused? Jesus, contemplating that cup of wrath, he knew all of this. He knew all about us. He knew the sin you committed today and the sin you'll commit tomorrow. And he still jumped on that grenade. I love the book of Romans. There's so many wonderful truths for us in that book. And and one of them really stands out as we think about our passage today. Romans 5, 6 to 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. Verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This isn't something we've earned. Jesus didn't drink from the cup, didn't fall on the grenade because he thought we were worthy. He knows us better than that. He knows where we are. He knows how we screw up. He knows how we sin. When he died for us, we were still sinners. We are only not sinners through the blood of the Lamb when we are covered by Christ's sacrifice in our place. How wonderful, how amazing is that?
that Jesus knows everything about you. He knows your deepest, darkest secrets, your reasons for fear and for shame. And in spite of all the terrible things that we do, that we have done, and that we think about doing, he still decided to save us. He still decided to take our place. He still decided to bear the burden of our sin, even though it meant separation from the Father. You guys, Jesus loves you so much. So much. Let the tears he shed and the blood he sweat in the Garden of Gethsemane stand as a testament to that. He faced the cup of wrath. He saw it coming from a long way off. And he could have refused. He could have said no. But because of his love for the Father and his love for you, he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he drank from that cup. He didn't just drink from it. He drank the whole cup. Every last drop. What a picture. What a blessing. Submission of the Son to the Father on behalf of the broken creation whom they love. What a powerful, amazing, wonderful, loving God we serve. Amen.